Welcome travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. And this is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your not-so-humble guides on the quest for RPG adventures. Here at Tabletop Journeys, we are all devoted role players and storytellers at heart, and we absolutely love sharing our passion with you. On our show, we feature diverse tabletop RPG systems, demonstrating them through actual plays and breaking down the rules to provide you with tips, tools, and techniques to help you navigate them. We also love bringing the content creators behind these games into the studio to give you a peek behind the curtain with relevant and insightful interviews. Let us help you get the most out of your story, no matter what game world or system you're playing. Because detailed settings, heroic characters, diverse NPCs, and a focus on story over rules can make any campaign legendary. Now, a word from this week's sponsor. Do you have tons of extra money that you'd like to just throw at a role-playing game? <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> That's why I've had to kickstart my new game. The Gum Belt is a brand new tabletop role-playing game from Geekster Games. Alien and robot cowboys ride dinosaurs across an interstellar wild west. These planetary pioneers struggled to survive beneath the smothering rule of the greedy corporatocracy Levacore. As players, you create characters who must work together as a posse to survive the harsh wilds of the planet Hell, increasing the power of your extraordinary abilities that you possess caused by exposure to the planet's primary resource, a mysterious floating rock called Levitite. The Gum Belt is an exciting game that features robots, aliens, cowboys, dinosaurs, adventure, excitement, but no Jedi. They care not for such things. empty out in this wilderness so with the dinosaurs back us today on kickstarter Welcome, everybody, to today's episode. I'm really happy to be here. I am really happy that you out there are listening. I'm really happy to be introducing our guests here in just a moment. And I'm very happy, as always, to be joined by my illustrious co-hosts, the uh, the left arm and the right arm to my my shapely torso, Mr. Glenn Myers, Mr. Lewinika Miller. How the hell are you guys? It feels like so long. It really hasn't been that long, but it feels like a long time since we've recorded. Why don't I get to be the shapely torso? Let's put it that way. Because... There's a whole host of reasons, but we're not going to take this hour for that discussion. But, <laughs> Thanks, Lomenica. <laughs> yeah, I, I do try. So let me get to the heart of your question, Josh. I'm doing fine. Excellent. I'm Excellent. <laughs> it's it been a crazy and busy week, but the weekend has been really amazing. Got to spend time with the family. My nine-to-five job had a big work event at Six Flags in Agawam, Mass. My wife, my youngest, and I made the drive up. 
did some things, went on a ride or went on. My son got to go on a bunch of rides. I went on a roller coaster, which I haven't been on in quite a while for a whole host of reasons. I remember why, and I'm good for probably the next 15 to 20 years. <laughs> and then there's a big barbecue. You get to hang out with work friends, chat, had great conversations, sing along with the radio on the ride up and the ride back. It was a great weekend. Got to do a lot of work Excellent. prep, got some really nice effort and work done. I have my notes somewhere around the desk here. The <laughs> On the Factions book, made some breakthroughs going into the weekend on the Soul Society, which I'm excited yep. to continue as I finish up the first draft on that particular faction. Last night, did some great research that I'm going to be adding into the Outriders League as well. It is. <laughs> and of course, the factions book that you're talking about right now is uh, the Traveler's Guide to Factions on Kickstarter. At the point that this episode airs, it's going to be ending in about three or four days. Oh, but as, go back uh, it. Go back because at this point, we're at about 77% fa- funded. So please go back it. <laughs> make, sure yeah. that's a, make sure you help us bring that yeah. one. Uh, we that, will probably home, be so. a lot closer, if not already there, by the time the episode airs. But yeah. pretend we're not there yet. And yeah, back and go back anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, right now we're in the mid-campaign slump. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. How about you, Glenn? How are things going where you are? I am pretty fantastic. Been working this week on getting ready for a catacomb that we've got coming mm. up as well. Yep. Right after the Kickstarter uh, campaign ends. Yep. Got my both of my game sessions set and scheduled. So if you're coming to Dayton, Ohio for a catacomb, I'm running uh, a Learn to Play Monster of the Week game on Friday afternoon and Sunday afternoon if you want to sign up. And uh, it should be a hoot. I'm really looking forward to not just the convention. And this is the first ever travel away to a convention thing for me, as opposed to just go to the one in the next town. That's weird. Isn't it? And I'm also excited to be there with both of you in the same space because we're almost never in the same room. So that'll be a great time. It'll be great. And we'll be putting out details about what we're going to be doing at a catacon. But I will say that there is definitely a live show in the works. Uh, we have mm-hmm. space booked. There'll be details coming out about when we'll be live and what we'll be talking about and everything like that. Dude, you can sign and, up to attend that live show, too. You can. You have to be in Dayton, well Ohio as, for it. But yeah. you there be in Dayton, are Ohio two separate karaoke nights at this convention. And I can guarantee you Lee Wanika's presence at least one of them if yeah. not both because he was so cool at the first one they're like look dude we can't have that amount of awesome <laughs> here two nights in a row you're scaring yeah, for- away you're scaring yeah. away the regulars no I'm, I'm not that great I think I'm half okay but uh, I thought it was just Saturday no, no it's both Friday, Friday night Saturday, yeah. and oh. Saturday night and oh. I w- my plan is to be at both so. so without any further ado let's go ahead and, and write the good ship tabletop journeys this evening and introduce tonight's guest so tonight we have got two hopefully like burgeoning friends of the show we hope we've got autumn and jared from coaches and dragons autumn jared welcome to tabletop journeys thanks so much for joining us yay thanks yeah, for, having thank you for having us yeah hello hello so as we were saying ahead of time, when we were kibitzing ahead of time, we're really looking forward to this interview tonight because we we don't get to interview folks like that are doing what you do in the space enough. And so I'm really looking forward to see where this interview goes tonight and uh, what, we, what we're going to get the chance to talk about. Before we kind of start getting into the question and answer portion of the evening, what is Coaches and Dragons and why are you here? Yeah, so Coaches and Dragons, Autumn and I are both certified coaches. And what we try to do is mash up our favorite role-playing games with personal development. So we both have had experience working in kind of more of a corporate world and corporate setting. So if you're familiar with leadership development and those types of personal growth or self-help activities, we take a lot of that inspiration from there. 
cut all the stuff that we think is really boring, not helpful, not here to help you move forward. And we mash it up with what people do enjoy, which is role-playing games. And so our goal is to bring role-play to the role that you play in your life. And that's what that mashup and crossover episode is what Coaches and Dragons is all about. Okay. That's a great tagline. Bring role play to the role you play. Yeah. That's awesome. I like that. So that is really good. It's super special for us because I think we both have witnessed, there's a lot of amazing coaches and a lot of amazing programs in there, but there's also a lot of gatekeeping when it comes to personal development. And there's a lot of standardized language where I, I think Jared and I were looking out at our communities that we're part of and saying, it's actually not, it's not resonating with them. It's not in their words. It's not like, these are our community like to have fun, like to play around and do cool things. So why not put that layer around all of it so that they get to have access to this stuff as well? Plus, we get to have fun doing it. It makes us really get to enjoy our job when we get yeah. to put these two things. What do we call Jared? It's like our it's like the crossover episode. Coach life role-playing life, bring it together. Nice. nice. <laughs> I, I love that. As That's excellent. Having been an attendee at way too many, yet I always enjoyed a lot of elements of each of them, of these development courses, there's a ton of gatekeeping, like you mentioned. For starters, the fact that you had to be a manager to go. Like, why aren't we trying to develop everybody? Why aren't the rank and file getting to go this? And why is it not the first level managers? Why is it only the second level managers? What's the box the company's trying to tick that only second level managers get to learn how to do this job? And in theory, shouldn't they have already learned how to do those things before they got that job? And why wouldn't we be training the others? There's a whole, whew, yeah. my soapbox. How did it go down a rabbit hole? Yeah, we are on that soapbox there with you. We talk about this stuff all the time. If you go to our website and our individual websites, Jared and I both are like, how do we make this accessible? And that means affordable. Coaches and Dragons, all of our content that we put out there right now, it's all free. And this is really helpful tools that everybody can do. We put on free workshops every month. We have guides with all of these activities because we want... To your point, we want for people to not have to worry about money being a barrier to this fun access and growth that they get to have. And I think, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) I was going to build on that too. I think just to clear up the definition for a coach for folks, right? I know like when I first encountered coaching, I thought this was something that my boss would do, right? This idea that, oh, when you're the top of the company, you don't have another mentor ahead of you because you're the boss, you're making the decisions. And so you would hire a coach to help facilitate that. And The reality is like wherever you're at, whether it's your career, your personal life, if you're going through some sort of like transition or transformation, that's a great time to work with a coach. And it might show up differently than a mentor might, where mentor is really saying, this is the path that I walked. Here's what you can learn from me. Different than a therapist, which has much more like mental health and kind of clinical focus. Coaching is able to stretch across some of those, but a really good coach, you can trust that they'll tell you, hey, this seems a better fit for therapy. Hey, it sounds like you need some really specific career advice. I'd recommend going seeking out a mentor. But for all of that stuff that doesn't fit that (laughs) my mentor is not here to help me out, not getting the right advice, or I don't know if I quite need a therapist right now. I feel like I need something else. Like a coach is a great fit for that, but it should be for everyone. And it's not just the managers, folks who can afford it, the folks that hire up in the food chain. And it's unfortunate that it's Ottomans that are earlier gate kept. Yeah. For now, we're changing it. We're changing it up. (laughs) Nice. 
The door is being kicked in. Everybody's D20s get ready. Yeah, all right. D20s to the ready. Uh, dun, dun, all right. I'm going to go with my with my silicon fan roll dice here. Looking forward to this one. I've got my gem style fan oh. roll D20. I'm not going anywhere near first. It has not helped me a lot in our last couple episodes, but I sense a change in the winds. And the winds change and circled around and hit me again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Glenn, what do you have tonight? I have an eight. I have an eight. All right, I have That's a the wiggly fingers. Yeah. Ah, you, and I came in at a whopping seven. Cool. All right. I'm, Mr. Myers, the initiative is yours with an eight. Have at I it. see. Everybody else chose to slide it underneath me. Heard. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I've got this. Autumn and Jared, I'm super glad to meet y'all and super excited to talk to you tonight. I get the honor of the first question. So what I'm most curious about, and this kind of might open things up to for us to go in different directions, is because I've never actually done I've never actually done coaching. I've done plenty of therapy. I've done corporate trainings that they call coaching. But I've never worked with a coach like you guys are. So my question is, could you paint me a picture of what that looks like and how you bring role playing into it? Like when we work through role playing, are we actually playing a session of a role playing game or are we just using role playing games as an avenue or the bridge that we connect with through? How does it work? All right. I think I'm going to take this one. I'm getting those eyes from bottom. So I think with coaching, so like I mentioned earlier, to couch it compared to mentorship or therapy, right? If you've been in a therapy environment, the actual session might feel pretty similar. Our, my job as a coach is to ask questions to help you probe deeper. We're going to understand what your goals and the things that you want out of each session and continue to work towards those. Not too dissimilar from a therapeutic approach. But where coaching really differs is contrary to even therapy or mentorship, I'm not here to offer you advice. So I'm here to witness. I'm here to see what you're discussing about and really find those places to push, right? So a good analogy would be like, if you have a really good GM, who's like, here's a part in the story where I can really push a little bit further. Here's the opportunity for character development. That's what a coach is doing for you. And the way that we integrate the role-playing game specifically in our coaching practice is using them as a tool to help facilitate that growth. As an explicit example, if you've done the kind of corporate training or self-development, here's the five keys to leadership, right? Ob and I might give you a perspective on, hey, this is what constitutes leadership. But what our goal is to take those tools from that personal development leadership training world and in the mashup with DD, give you the tools to make them your own, right? So it's not just saying, hey, I want to figure out how to be a more empathetic leader. It's how does like empathy show up for me in my life? Like how does that feel in my body. If I'm like showing up as a stronger communicator, which could be a character that you put on, maybe you want to find what is your version of a bard? How do I show up in that way to really be that phenomenal communicator? And that's where we start to bring the role playing in is we'll do almost like the session zero at a start to like work with the client, establish the goals. But we might in a session, for example, work through, hey, where do we need to tweak on the character sheet? What kind of character do you need to play? So that way, in the time between our session and the time we come back, say two weeks later, you've had an opportunity to put that character into practice, to see how it feels, mm -hmm. to see what decisions you might make differently. 
then you come back for the next session, we debrief and we figure out what goal to tackle next. So it's almost like the sessions are the prep work for you to do the role playing out in your life because that's where all the action happens. That's where all the work happens. But we're almost using the set coaching session to have that time to reflect, have that time to circle back. And for our clients, they get a thought partner and a witness to say, hey, you committed to this goal. Here's where you either you could push further or if you stumbled, what got in the way? Let's talk about that and work through those pieces. That way, at the end of the session, you can go back out and give it another crack at the bat. Um, Another example that I think we really love doing with people who play role-playing games is often we can have them tap into the role that they actually play in game and take that for, so let's say Glenn, you are, you're a game master and then you're, let's say you're also a people leader in a corporate space. And you're like, man, I love when I'm doing my GM stuff, but I just don't get excited when I go into work. I'm just not excited about anything at work. We might say, what are the things that make you love showing up as a game master? And then we might say, what if you were, what if you went in as a game master to work tomorrow? What would that be like? What would you do? And so there is this playfulness, but taking this world where maybe in letting us challenge our perspective and change the way that we might look at things, get us out of our comfort zone. But as coaches, we're there to partner with you to have the safe space where we can go and do things that are a little weird and strange and uncomfortable, but to be able to look at something completely differently. That's super important. Perspective is so clutch in approaching any problem that you're facing, whether it's in your personal life or your professional life. It's something speaking near and dear to my heart. I've done a whole lot of challenging of limiting beliefs and changing the way that I look at the world and realizing that a lot of the stuff that I'd been accepting as normal was bullshit. Yeah, whatever. Bullshit. I'll go with it. Bullshit. It took a little while. It took a lot. And it's hard to it's hard to accept and realize. A lot of mine have been based on the fact that a huge amount of our society is about training us to be an effective labor force more than taking care of ourselves or our families. It's to make sure we work real freaking hard. That's what we're trained to do from birth. And I've kind of gone a couple of different directions. That's why I live in an RV now. Love it. You were definitely speaking to, I left the corporate world after 20 plus years a year ago. Jared left the corporate world, what, two years ago? Mm, Yeah, going on that two years. I'm on my third. I've been talking a lot about this idea of it feels like a deprogramming. There's a lot of unlearning to happen. That's really difficult, but that's where it's, again, tapping into the stuff that we have from D&D and other role-playing games can be so amazingly fun. Just like we have a party, we can tap into like, who's our party we're going to tap into to go and fight that big monster. That's those limiting beliefs, right? We take those limiting beliefs and we have them be this monster. This month, actually, we have our modern monsters that we're, that our program is focused on. And it's what are those monsters that we deal with? And then what are, who are these party members we can call on to go after them? Yeah. I, I'll get into this I more like when I ask my question. I like that analogy a lot. Yeah. 
I'll, I'll I, get into I, this more when I ask my question, but be, before I let you go, Leonika, as someone who is a technical lead in my professional life, I manage a team of developers and QA folks and also am a permanent game master for the most part. <laughs> when you were talking there, Autumn, I was like, oh yeah, no, I clearly need to watch your YouTube videos because I need to figure out how to do that because I love storytelling. Like it's, right. it is something that I've been doing for a really long time and I love mentoring junior developers for as annoying as mentoring junior developers can be on a daily basis. And I love my team. Don't get me wrong. Anybody from work that's listening, I love my team. I really do. And go ahead. And, I, I was gonna very similar to, to what, where you were going, Josh, and something you said that really sparked the wheels, like really got them firing and they're spinning like so fast. So I'm going to try to slow them down enough so my mouth can get the words out right now. Good luck, Lewanika. Good luck. <laughs> you, when you said some, when you mentioned about the party you select to go fight that particular monster, it really spoke to a deep part of myself. So I had been with my current company for about 10 years, just I actually very close to 11 years, right around 11 years, somewhere in that range. And I had become dissatisfied with a number of things. And I, there were some opportunities away from the job. So I left with the promise of lots of things to include better pay, better promotion opportunities, and just a better chance to be in a more decision-making environment, totally different type of work. And I found most of that to be completely untrue. That was the bill of goods they sold me on their webpage during their interview and for at least the first 90 days. And then I realized what they were really like. Every so often, Baba Yaga will walk past a mirror. And you can see what she's actually like. But what I found in that is after two years with that company, I got the opportunity to come back to the original company I left, the specific team I was working with under different management. and. And a few new faces on the team, actually all new faces, not people I had worked with before, but several of them were people that, or one of them was people person that I had known. So, or actually two of them were, but one of the things that, that really struck me is the people that we choose in our party. While I didn't select that party, I sat down at this game table and there were other players already there. As we've gone through a few very difficult days that were not cause created by our team, but we were responsible to handle, I can tell you that I felt really good about the people I was at that table with. I felt really good about our boss who was at that table with us. And I felt very strongly about that. And it got me thinking about a lot of things. At the end of the day, my biggest problem in dealing with corporate America is there is no corporation that is the corporation I would want to run because I'm not running it. Game master in me, right? So uh, one of the things that comes to mind is I've had to separate my personal happiness from the job because there's always going to be something that I cannot get out of that job because it can never be my version of perfect. I don't know if there is a version of perfect, but there's always going to be limiters that I do not have the ability to control or even have a say-so in creating. Um, that said, that doesn't mean I can't be surrounded with great people, be managed by or manage great people, 
it those are things that I have much more control over. So I started focusing on those things. And I and, and what you said just really brought that to mind and makes me feel a lot better about the job. Yeah. And I think to build on that, what you just described is, I think, the experience of a lot of folks, right? One of my one of my yellow flag words, like people talk about work-life balance. Sometimes people talk about work-life integration, which I have a flashing yellow signal on because I think sometimes that's like, how do, that's the can be the we're going to work 16 hours a day and we're going to work yeah. like a family and it's like that's not I what just we signed up for. I my mouth a little bit Jared that's like that's you know. <laughs> you know. but when you talk about Lou and Nico, the barrier now that you've put up between your work life and your personal life now that work is no longer going to be as fulfilling it can and it can be relegated to that to say you know what that's the paycheck because I'm going to put my time and my energy elsewhere with the people who are going to appreciate it with the community that's here on this call and say you know what this is going to be they're going to get my best but what's also great is that even though that wall is up what most folks lose is that hey I can bring that GM spirit into the relationships I still have at work. Might not have the same potency, but most folks, once that wall's up, they don't ever make that cross-transference again. And then the job becomes the, yep, it is what it is. (laughs) And sometimes that's the right call and that's the boundary and the setting to say, you know what? That's the decision I'm going to sit with. And then sometimes folks miss out on that cross-transfer to say, hmm, what if, especially if the (laughs) work relationship is miserable to say, you know what? If I was a GM, this is how I would do things differently here. This yeah. is how I would call the shots a little bit uh, differently in this situation. <laughs> Absolutely. This comes up with clients. It really does so often. I'm not happy in my job. I don't know what I want to do next. And sometimes you get into the conversation and they, people realize I'm really not, there's really not a place where I'm ever going to be super happy because to your point, it's what it's going to take for me to be happy somewhere isn't a place, isn't something that companies will ever do. So it's okay. Once we can help our clients understand what they want, it's like, if you're going to make a decision to stay or to be there or to say, look, I'm going to do X number of years still in the company. What we work with our clients to do is to say, all right, how do we make it So that decision, so that going into work does not negatively impact your life. How do we, and so it's, what are all of those pieces? Sometimes it's a perspective shift, right? Seeing so many people define who they are, like, oh, tell what you do. This is, I'm a project manager. That's what I, a lot of my career was in IT project management. Okay. But we're way more than that. (laughs) So it's, how do we help people separate from that and be like, work, that's just what I do to pay the bills so that I can go and buy more dice. So I can go and do, so I can go and pay for it to go to the conference. And so we help our clients be able to still go to work, even if they're not super excited about going to work, but they, when they sign off of work, they are like living the life. They are happy. That's what we love to help people do when quitting their job and going in an RV or becoming a life coach is not something they can do at the time. I've, I figured out, about, let's see, we've been doing this for three years now, Josh? Three and a half years, yeah. Three years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I figured out about three years ago that at the end of the day, if somebody gave me the $1.56 billion that I have a ticket for and they better not take it from me today like they did the last three times they've drawn the Powerball, if I were to win that today, what would I choose to do for the rest of my life 
in addition to traveling and going to every single 49ers and Steelers game I could possibly meet, go to? The answer is I would be here at Tabletop Journeys with these two cats building great content and working on Kickstarters. We just do so with much better computers from much warmer climbs until we want to go skiing and then it would be a lot colder, right? So I would still be doing this. I probably wouldn't be sitting in my other job, and that's not because it's a bad place to be. It's a fantastic place to be. They've done a lot to improve that company over the years, and I love it. But that is a job I like. Those are people I love, but this is my passion, right? There are going to be times where your passion doesn't pay enough to survive full term, uh, and uh, that doesn't yet. mean you can't do that yet, but that yeah, doesn't yet. mean you can't do that until such time. And at that point, hopefully working as many hours as we do won't be quite so bad because we love what we're doing. It also Sorry, won't be as bad because I won't have the nine to five on top of it. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that, that has a lot to do with the challenges <laughs> at present. But my question really is going to – and we've got into some great topics, and I know Josh has some follow-ups on this stuff. So I'm going to veer away from this for a little bit. You come from a world where being in coaching slash mentorship slash uh, professional development is part of the, the day-to-day and part of what you've been, you've done. And now you're bringing your love of role-playing in games to those aspects and to try to do something far more brilliant than the light that was previously being shined. I love that story. But I do want to get into the prequel here. What brought you to gaming? What got you started on that part of your life? Project Mm -hmm. manager and all these other things are great, fun stories. We'll save that for the next time you're on Dateline. I want to get into the good stuff, and that's what were your first games? What were those experiences Mm -hmm. like? How did that present itself over the years for you to bring you to this point where you're meeting with these three ugly mugs here on on, on a conference call? I'm telling you, y'all can't see them on video. I can, and that's not a true statement. (laughs) Um, (laughs) See, see, now, Glenn, now who's red? I'm blushing and stuff. (laughs) We like to say three Um, faces made for radio, but yeah, we're mostly just being self-deprecating for fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's whatever you need to do. Um, For me, so I actually did not play my first game of D&D until 2017. Okay. And... I think I feel so lucky to be in a place where I was able to do it because what happened is for most of my life, I have been incredibly insecure, had a lot of imposter syndrome. I think if any, like I hung out with the people who would have been playing D and D, but if anybody would have ever asked, I would have been so scared of what if I role play wrong? What if I do this wrong? I would have just been frozen. And it just was so scary to me that I think to me, it felt like there's a vulnerability in role play in just being played. And I did not have the piece that let me be that around people. And in 2017, I was with this friend group. We'd been friends for years. And one of them said, hey, I just started playing D&D with a work group. And I'm like, man, I've always wanted to play. And all of a sudden, someone was like, me too. So there was a whole group of us that had never played before. But this guy, he was like, I'll DM. He is an incredible DM. He His first time DMing, he homebrewed. And it, it's the most amazing world. Like, it, 
This person's so good, it frustrates me that he has a job. That's not <laughs> D&D. That's not creating this stuff. I'm like, what are you doing? You were meant to be doing this stuff. Yeah. He's so good. And it was, I remember the first time going through it and just being like, oh, this is amazing. And learning how to play. But I needed to be able to be vulnerable with people. And I found that when I let myself do that, I started getting more playful and allowing myself to be more silly in my real life. But I, I worried less about what people were thinking about me, about if I got stuff wrong or not. I was able to do that more. And it just became very addictive of, okay, when's the next game? I'm ready to play. <laughs> I'm ready to be somebody else. I'm ready to put on a voice. I'm ready to be silly. But yeah, so it's just been amazing. And I'm like, what What would teenage Autumn have been like if she would have been able to play this? What would going into the workplace for the first time been like if I would have had this ability to do this? Like, It's sad sometimes to think about all the years I missed, but I'm so damn happy that I've, I've found it in my 30s at least. <laughs> so I've got a long time to be able to play. The volume of friends that I have had since junior high school and high school, because I moved away after to go to college. I moved away to Maine from Connecticut, where I live now. And I moved back in 2009, sensibly to be with family, take care of my mom as she was getting older and ailing. She's since passed and a few years ago. But a lot of my move back was for that reason. But a lot of my friends who stayed in the area who also moved back, the number of them who say, you play D&D? I always wanted to play. I knew you played, but I never felt like I could. I'm like, dude, you're the captain of the wrestling team. What the heck could you have been afraid of sitting with a couple geeks like me uh, around a table rolling some dice? He's like, and then it, it dawned on me that the whole social thing that was going on back when we were in school, that very, that very square pegs, mm -hmm. breakfast club click thing that was happening truly was a barrier for people that I used to think were at the top of the high school pecking order. And they just really wanted to come down and do the same things that we were doing. They saw the fun that my group was having, but they never felt that they never felt the freedom to do it. Mm -hmm. It has never been lost on me, but that's the case. Like they still, they call me for advice and listen to the podcast and, and all of that now. <laughs> Live on Kickstarter now, our next book, The Traveler's Guide to Factions, will add depth to your world setting or character's backstory, bringing you all the tools you need to make your next role legendary. Our nine fully detailed factions can be used in any campaign and can be tailored to fit multiple genres and time periods. The system agnostic lore takes you deep into the foundations of each faction and provides guidance on how to seamlessly integrate them into your game system and society. Plus, the book includes an entire chapter containing all the tips, tricks, and processes you need to craft your own factions. Combine all that with the amazing art that we have commissioned and the additional content from our stretch goals, Traveler's Guide to Factions will be a book you don't want to miss. Check it out on Kickstarter now by going to www.ttjourneys.com slash Kickstarter. So I think my journey in role-playing games, like I grew up on nerd culture. And so especially my favorite games growing up 
the role-playing games I played were mostly in that video game format. I played a lot of Pokemon growing up. Kingdom Hearts like changed my world of like, mashing up different things and the storylines you were following. But the thing I really geeked out and poured over was all the strategy guides. So like whenever there was a new game, like you, you would have like the strategy guide issue that would show you like, here's what to do in each town. Here's all the people that you can talk to. Here's the events and how they go into a sequence. And it was less about the, like how to get to the end and unlock everything, but just seeing like all the world building that was put into it and almost seeing the video game that you experience as a time thing compressed and like seeing all the stuff that baked into it. And I remember having notebooks full of different characters I was drawing or like how the game would be built, instructions for how to build it. It looks like a character sheet nowadays. Yeah. (laughs) But that was like my absolute obsession growing up. And it fell off for a little bit. Went to school, did a bunch of other things. And someone in Autumn, I had a bunch of coworkers who... One of them used to play with a regular D&D group. And she said, yeah, it would be so much fun if we got a group together. And they all looked at me and said, yeah, would you DM? And I was like, me? Because I had never played before, never done it. And so my first time playing Dungeons & Dragons was actually getting a group of coworkers together. And uh, we were doing the starter set. It was like the Lost Minds of Fandelver kind of initial introduction one. And I remember that time. to run off of. Yeah. (laughs) And we did it the one shot. We all got together. But the group of folks, too... And I I could tell having worked with them and done workshops too, I was like, I got to figure out how to get them more excited. So I also went through the extra effort of creating custom characters for them that all involved puns. Because back when I was living in San Francisco, I was known as a competitive pun slinger. And I would go on stage and compete in these (laughs) pun competitions, which is basically like a spelling bee, but with dad jokes and in a round robin fight to the finish format. <laughs> and one of my friends, she's like, I'm going to, I just don't know. I'm going to show up in a shark costume and a shark onesie. And so she was a cleric that worshiped the goddess Jawes. And I tried to theme her character all around and give her this kind of pre-written character sheet of like, worship sharks. It's all about sharks. You make shark sounds, <laughs> whatever you need to do just to double down on it. What um, sounds do sharks make? Do, 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 I have a 10 month old. The number you of times I heard baby shark. I was going to hit it. I'm just evil. evil. That's how evil. this gets done. Mm-hmm. I'm calling y'all at 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. when I wake up with that song mm-hmm. still in my head. Yep. Uh, and Jaws is probably mm-hmm. the scariest movie that Lee Anika ever saw. So you go ahead and keep on with that. Like that's you know, He hasn't swum since 1986. There is truth to his statement. I will freely, I'm, I'm a grown, grown adult person, and I can tell you. As much as I love that movie, there are still scenes that I cannot watch when uh, they're when they're in the scuba gear and they're swimming around, and the head pops out of the hole in the boat on on the bottom of the. Mm-hmm. Nope, can't do it. Freaks me out. It's terrible. Terrible. And are you still okay when people agree with you? If they you just get like a. I, I will say, Benchley has given me some issues. Uh, I don't, <laughs> as an example, swim with critters. If I can't, generally, yeah. I will swim in a lake. But there usually has to be a whole lot of people because I know I can swim faster than at least half of them. So I, you I need to watch I'm out. Getting away. You, you get Richard Dreyfus behind you. Watch out. That's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never out. Never outrun your the bear. Always outrun your friends. Exactly. <laughs> but Jared, I love your answer so much because you're talking about like video game like style guides. Like Skyrim for me was like I, I've been I'm. 
apparently I am a little bit older than both of you guys, and that's okay. But so my, my my son played Pokemon a lot when he was young. I played older games, but Skyrim for me when it came out, what, 10, 12 years ago now at this point, I remember buying the the, um, the companion guide at the time, the 400 page, whatever it was, hardcover book. And it, on some weird level, informed so much about how to put something like that together. Like we're doing books now and things too, and I think I keep thinking back to that about how like how to like logically put together something like that. Not so much the writing and not so much the creation, because that has come naturally for the three of us. But the organization of it was really important, and the way that they and the way that all like fed in together, and the way that it, that pieces touched on other pieces and everything like that in a very logical sense. Yeah, I've thought a lot about that as we're going through projects. Yeah, I totally hear you about the about the camp about the campaign books and everything like that. How they can guide not just the game, but also like your experience of the game too. I was all in yeah. on Kingdom Hearts too, so you had me there. Yeah. <clears throat> Another crossover episode. <laughs> so here we are at like 40 minutes in, and I'm finally getting my first round question. And this might be a record for, and I don't mean that to go ahead and say you guys are awesome. I love the depth that we're able to go ahead and explore here. I'm more just like, oh, we may, this may be a record. We may only get one round of questions tonight. Normally we're good for at least two, but that's cool. All right. My question has more to do with how you organize and how you run your sessions. Do you guys work more with individuals or with groups when you're doing your coaching sessions or both? And is there kind of what's the balance in there? The other side of that question is that do you find that it is better to go ahead and run your type of coaching sessions with people who have experience with role-playing games or don't have experience with role-playing games? And the experience with role-playing games can be divided even further, like players versus storytellers and stuff like that. I'm sure you work with all all sorts of folks, but do certain kind of predispositions to the scene or the TTRPG kind of community help with the type of coaching that you do and again kind of the solo versus group dynamic too how does that work out yeah i can take this one to start i think to answer your question about the individual or group autumn and i mostly run coaches and dragons through an individual one-on-one format and so we do monthly workshops that are in a group setting but we aren't doing that with the intention of doing the coaching work it's more so to say hey here's a set of tools and perspectives take it and run with it if you have questions come circle back with us yeah and the one, the reason for the one-on-one sessions, at least from my perspective, is I think it creates a lot of safety. And the other piece is I want you to make these tools your own, right? So we talk about this idea of like coaches and dragons is really rooted in this idea of homebrew of whatever you want to bring to the table, we'll figure out how to make it work. Whatever we've got, we'll offer it to you to, for you to make it your own as well. And I think that's what the magic of each session is and each client relationship is too. So it doesn't matter necessarily if you have a lot of like D&D knowledge to come work with us. It doesn't matter if you ha- if that's mostly what you have to bring and haven't touched some of these other topics. We'll meet you where you're at. The advantage of using the role-playing game space is that it for those clients who have that as a hobby or have had experience with those games, it gives both of us a shared lexicon. So I don't get caught in a coach speak, like coach personal development through work. It's that... If we really identify the corporate synergy points, we can identify the areas of collaboration that we might better be able to further our collective development and identify opportunities for the future in order to advance our strategic initiatives within the upcoming year. I don't want to coach you like that. (laughs) If we can talk about Dungeons and Dragons and all the things that get you excited, that get you immersed, that's the language that you know, and puts you in a co-creative space is what we want. I don't want to be here giving you advice on, hey, these are the three things I think you need to work on. I want you to come forward and say, this is the type of goals I'm working towards. I feel like this is the type of things I'm up against, the encounters I'm going to face in real life. What do I need to do to prepare for those encounters when I go and face them? And that is a great place for us to co-create from. 
in those individual sessions. Each client comes with a different kind of perspective, a set of needs, but we start with a, our own session zero, just the two of us to say, what do you need to get out of this relationship? Here's what I need to show up as your kind of facilitator of this. And we can start to plot those goals and start giving you tools out of the box to build that initial kind of toolkit of, hey, here's the actions you can take. For my clients, at least, it's like, what actions are you going to take at each session? If you want to take a bonus action, great. How are you going to like pay attention to your reactions during the week if things go well, if things go wrong, things go sideways, to help, again, build that capacity for them between the sessions? No, that's, that's, that. that's fine. <laughs> I will just say that So I had to, I was writing a review the other day, and I had to. I, I felt so dirty at the end of it because I had to use like the phrase like area of opportunities and per, per, was it the personal and professional improvement vectors and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, God, like... I sound like a machine. Like I don't sound like I actually even know who this person is or what they do on a daily basis. And so I was really working to try and change that. And I'm still working on it. <laughs> I haven't even submitted the review yet because I was so grossed out by it by the time I was done. I was like, this doesn't actually, none of these things actually make any sense. It really doesn't make sense unless you actually know mm-hmm. Unless you know what I know and this person, this doesn't make any sense. So somebody reading this isn't going to say, oh, I know how to go ahead and, and I, I know what this person needs or I know what tools they I can provide or, or something like that. Like it's, yeah. Yeah, hmm. it is. It's it just as Game Master, if you were to go and think, okay, we we need to get this group leveled up. What's a, an acceptable encounter that I can create for them? And yeah. what might we design? How might we set that? What kind of XP do they need? Or if it's milestone based, but you can design something that's for that and you can use that in some kind of language with them that can help them feel seen. But it's like you want, you're going to have to go and sell that to that person and communicate to that person. So you want to be comfortable, but you also want to make sure that they can hear it too. Otherwise everybody just knows that it's all kind of BS (laughs) and it doesn't, and it doesn't necessarily feel great. Which Um, in my experience in the corporate environment, most of the time, it was BS. I can count on the number. I can count on one hand the number of reviews I've ever gotten in my life that actually felt meaningful, that mm-hmm. actually gave me feedback that was usable, actionable. Yeah, yeah. And actionable. I, that's, Thank you. Better word. Yeah, and but that's something that is a big part of. I get really passionate about some of that stuff. I think most of my career was in the IT space and. So often the people that are put in manager roles in the tech world are people who were really good at their tech job. Hey, you're really good at writing code. We're going to have you now manage this whole team of engineers and you're going to figure it out. Here's a LinkedIn course to go watch. And they've been taught nothing about how to take care of people, right? It's in, and it's okay. How do we support how do we support these folks who I'm sure really care, but they don't know. And they probably had a crappy role model. So they don't know what good looks like. (laughs) So it's, how do we, how do you help support them? And I think it's again, it's what gets us really excited about some of this work. It's like that tech leader is probably not going to engage in somebody who's like on LinkedIn talking about how we're going to live, laugh, love our way into journaling every day. (laughs) But if we say something like, hey, we're going to go and design our party or we're going to create an account or we're going to go gain some experience, we're going to create our own character sheet. You're like, oh, cool. I want to create my character sheet. Damn, let's go create your character sheet. And then it's, hey, what do you want to change about your character sheet? Do you want a multi-class? All of a sudden you can get people excited about that stuff, excited about the work, excited about learning how to be, show up better for themselves and for their teams. Because now it's not some weird kind of gross thing 
that they yeah. feel like is only for senior leaders. Hmm. Right. Interesting. I With enigmatic terms and clinical dialogue, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's interesting how language can really help in some circumstances blockade in other circumstances and harm in, in, in mm-hmm. others. And it can be the same exact words, right? I think the only words you left out of your statement, Jared, was EBITDA, core values, and mission <laughs> statement. If you'd added those three, you'd Oof. hit everything pretty much on point. Um, Clearly, that's his area you know, of opportunity that we area would like to go ahead and work on for his next presentation. You have yeah, to get yeah, EBITDA right. in there somewhere. Exactly. Uh, Bottom line. Departmental throughput about- would be important as well. Ooh, yes. yes. Um, All of these words are triggering for me. <laughs> I am, so I am triggered officially. This might be the first uh, interview where I am giggling about the triggering, which is not something I intended. <laughs> True. Not it's not normally a good topic. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, just add a trello card. You can bring it up at the retro. It's okay. It's, yeah, it's, exactly. One of the things that I think about, though, is there are also times where they can sometimes be very useful and helpful, but it is rarely in that coaching moment. It is rarely in that there are times where it's like if you need to say something succinctly to get information to somebody or a group or an entity three mm-hmm. levels above you, that's the only way to do it. Or if you're at an impasse with a coworker or somebody else in some other department and you're trying to get your point across or you have to escalate a situation to your boss or whatever, that's really the only time that those terms become useful. I had a circumstance recently mm-hmm. yesterday afternoon where I actually took all of the five core values of our company and then described why everything I was just asked to do was a violation of everything we're supposed to do as a company. And I broke that down one value at a time and then sent that to my boss. And this is why what I'm being asked to do is not good. And I don't feel good about being asked to do this. I did it in this moment, but if they're going to ask me to do this moving forward, I'm going to need some help with what we do from here. And my boss got it. My boss got it without all of that, but her ability to send that up the line I gave her the speak to be able to do that. But at the same time, if I were to get an evaluation from somebody that just had that useless, what are you telling me? You threw word, you took words that somebody gave you out of thesaurus.com and you threw them at me. You didn't put any meaning. You didn't discuss my situation. You didn't discuss me or what I did in any way, shape or form. And it, that, Yeah. None of that works in that individual one-on-one scenario. And that's what you want to like going back to that homebrew idea, right? That Jared was talking about. I don't remember what month we did it, Jared. It might've been June, but we had a month refocused on homebrew leadership. And the whole idea around this being be your own version of a leader. What do you need it to be? If Josh, you're like, this isn't the language I want to use. Then it's in that it's okay. How do we help? How do we help you so that you can get to a place where you don't use the you use the language that you want to use? Well, because that language to, isn't working for you. Sorry, go ahead, Jared. I was to put a finer point on it. Core values have a role in any organization, right? That should be the place of common ground to say, "Hey, we all value this same thing, and we agree to this shared set of principles on how we work and show up for each other." The performance view, Glenn, when you talked about like having a performance view that didn't make you feel seen, I like, I remember reading past performance reviews I had because I was like, you know what, I just want to do a check-in, see if there's any strengths I want to work on or that I can bring to my entrepreneurship. And it 
it took some time and distance, but I looked back at the review and all the items in that review were of how I was of value to them and not necessarily the things that I valued about myself. It wasn't about how I showed up or how when I felt at my best. It was, hey, we appreciate when you did the extra mile and did this. We really appreciate how we, again, if you want to frame it that way, we were able to get this benefit from you working on our team. And the core values, so many folks, if they're in a corporate job, especially like where it is like mounted on the wall or in every monthly email, the core values are there. We often don't check to say, are those my values? Is that how, when I think of integrity, is that how that shows up? When I think about connecting with people, is that how it shows up? And then how do I make it known that's how, you know, creativity is such a big value for a lot of folks. If you're an engineer, your creativity shows up very differently than if you're somebody who's on the graphic design team or the marketing team, right? Everyone shows up at the company with that same value, but your expression of it is different. But to then judge other people by some, by not by their values on how they're showing up, that's the beauty of a really great mentor at work is someone who says, I see you, I see the way you're showing up because your values are on your sleeve. It shows up in the decisions you make, the actions you take, and they align here and we want you to take further responsibility. We want you to lead. We want you to encourage the same in other people. Um, not because it's the right way of doing things, but it's because it's your right way of doing things. And that's when values become magic because you've got the language to justify your own decisions <laughs> in a funny way to say, yeah, this is what's in line with it. And that's why I'm pursuing it. Right. And then you send that corporate email up the ladder being like, and this is why I'm not doing this because <laughs> it goes up against everything I believe in <laughs> to my soul. <laughs> Honestly, that's why I feel good about the company I went back to because those values, I think I align very well, if not 100% with those core values. That's how I like to conduct my life. You've answered a ton of questions. This is less of a question, more just a, a thank you. So I, I really love this conversation. We have had a blast before we actually kicked on the recording <laughs> right up until this moment. And I have a sense we'll be giggling until our respective others say, look, it's time. Call it. It's not funny anymore. Yeah. Um, thank you so very much for being here tonight and talking with us and sharing your experiences and sharing what you do. Uh, Josh will probably ask you in a moment, tell us how folks can find you. What are your socials like how do we how do we get in touch how do folks how do folks get in touch when is the first video coming up on youtube if it's not already there all, all of those types of things yeah we have so many wonderful goodies out there so the way our goodies kind of work is once a month we have a focus so we pick a big focus for october because halloween the focus is on modern monsters so coaches and dragons guide to modern monsters and so what happens is we have the guide and every week we have our newsletter, which is a session, and it goes out and it deep dives into a very specific topic. So our modern monsters, we talk about comparison. We talk about shame, doubt, fear, and look at those from this lens of them being monsters. We talk about challenge ratings. And each one of these sessions, we have magic items. We have ways that you can gain experience. So which means their actions, their activities that you can do. We have actions, reactions, bonus actions that are real things that you can do. And then we have traits that you can role play in game or maybe take some inspiration in real life to really help to drive some of those lessons home. We have journal prompts. We have other activities. So many things in this guide. And every week we just deep dive into that 
All of this is free. And then on top of that, we always have a free monthly workshop where we deep dive into something for that focus. So this month it's on October 19th and it's going to be on taming your modern monsters. So we're going to do a workshop where it's like, how can we go after fear and doubt and shame? What are some things that we can do? And then we have our YouTube channel, which we just launched. And that's very exciting. I'm going to let Jared talk about that because this has been Jared's baby and they (laughs) did an amazing job with it. Yeah, so our website is uh, www.coachesanddragons.com. Spell out the and. Uh, YouTube is the same. Instagram is the same. Um, and the YouTube channel, what we're experimenting with is that that crossover episode, right? So what is the stuff that you might be looking for personal development tips or growth tips on, but brought in with a D&D lens? And then one of the things that we've been playing with is these kind of longer format videos. Like I mentioned earlier, I love watching character optimization builds. And so we've been going through how to actually build a character based on a personal development challenge you might have. And so we've done one on learning from rage and how to like connect more freely with your anger. And so there's a fun barbarian-based build we've done with that where we set out goals and we build a character around that. Um, we did one recently with creativity and how to access creativity through pleasure, which was one of the workshops we did. And then we decided to do a build inspired by it. So that's going to be what we're playing with on YouTube. And we also had to the five cantrips we would love to have in real life, uh, which is a recently fun one. Um, <laughs> a lot of deep dives into things that uh, you might be able to do <laughs> with different cantrips. But yeah, and I think the biggest thing for us is we want to build tools that folks use. So if you're out there and you're perusing coaches and dragons, and you're like, this is not meeting me where I'm at. This is not helping me solve my challenge. I'm really facing this. Let us know. We want to build the thing to help you. And I think that's been the most exciting part of this, especially doing the workshops because we do them live with folks. And you might get 20, 30 folks on a call and to see everyone's real-time learning. But then we also get to respond in kind, right? To say, hey, this question popped up. Here's how we would address it or where we can pull from Mm -hmm. either our coaching expertise or D&D expertise. So if you find that there's something you're facing, missing, would love to get more out of, let us know and uh, we can co-create that with you. Yeah, we built this stuff for the community, which is the people that are listening to this. It's the three of you that that invited us to be on this amazing podcast today. It, we build it for our community, which means we need our community to tell us what they want, especially if we're not hitting it. So if it's not working for you, we're not doing our job and we want to know so that we can keep making things that actually work to help our community grow together. We love that feedback. It gives us that XP, that sweet XP so we can all level up. <laughs> Jared, this was so stinking amazing. There is there is so much that I'm taking away from this interview and that I'm going to be thinking about long after this. And so really, I, I just echo Lunik and Glenn, thank you very much for coming on here. Really appreciate you taking the time to go ahead and and talk to us tonight. This has been really eye-opening. It's, these are the kind of episodes that I love doing, if I can just wax poetic here for a second, because these are the kind of shows that I love doing, right? Where oh, we talk to a lot of industry insiders. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving tonight with a lot of things to think about, which is why I love doing these types of interviews where it's like, I'm leaving with a lot of things to think about. And that's really like the best thing you, I think I can give you is that this is going to be with me for a while. So, yeah. Right. Great conversation. Right, see, that uh, made everybody yeah. think. Yay. So what is coming up? So next week on the show, we've got another great interview with content creator, James Hake. He's going to be coming on here to talk about his next game. And we're going to be continuing Star Trek Adventures actual play, Star Trek Preservations, where by the point that you're hearing this, you will have just heard the finale of episode eight, which was my last episode of season one, and then beginning episode nine, which Luanika is going to be wrapping up season one with. So that'll be uh, that'll be exciting uh, coming up on next week. Of course, also next week, or coming up very shortly after this week, is that uh, the three of us are going to be at a catacomb 
Con in Dayton, Ohio, the first weekend mm-hmm. of November there. And like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, there will be a live show that will be broadcasting that week. So make sure you keep your eyes out for when that's going to be and our announcement on when we'll be getting together. Autumn, Jared from Coaches and Dragons, thank you so very much for taking your time tonight to go ahead and talk to us. This has been a really great episode. I really appreciate the time. So. No, thank you guys for having us. This has been such a special space to be a part of. And thank you for just the invitation. It's been a very welcoming home. Yeah. Yeah. So this is so fun. I don't know how I'm going to go to sleep because I feel super (laughs) energized now. And I'm just, yeah, I'm really excited to, to get to know all of you and to get to be here. So I can't wait for us to do this again. Absolutely. Or, We're going to have to figure out some way to go ahead and get you playing something other than D&D, right? And please, I, mean, Jared, I don't want to make it sound me. like that, ex- that invitation is only for Autumn. We'll have to have you both on. So that's what we'll, we'll find a time to go ahead and get you both back on here. It looks like we're in two separate rooms. Our hips are actually attached to each other. We're <laughs> using it. We have a really great green screen. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, it was. Yeah. We're going to have to give you some time on the player side of the screen as well. So you can have some fun there yeah. uh, as well. We'll definitely be putting that together. It is such a joy to expand our uh, our podcast and teach TTRPG family that uh, it's awesome. And I hope I'm not being presumptuous, but I really do feel a connection with, with both of you that I think is pretty cool. Pretty yeah. darn cool. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Go check out Coaches and Dragons. Really worthwhile stuff. Go check out their YouTube channel. Absolutely fabulous. And we'll be back next week talking with James Heck. Until then, have a good night, everybody. Good night, all. Ciao. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram at TT Journeys, joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. Our full episodes come out every week on Friday. And every Tuesday features actual play and gameplay showcase episodes. Looking for early access? You can support the show and get episodes before everyone else at www.patreon.com forward slash ttjourneys. Check it out today and see all the awesome benefits we bring to our supporters. Lastly, if you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible, you would really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And we bid you fair tides, friends, for Legends Await.